0: Thank you for listening to a Christ-centered message from Grace Community Church. We are committed to proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology and trust that you will receive encouragement as we study today's passage together. Last Sunday, we entered a new sermon series from the book of Psalms, Psalms 120, through Psalm 134. And the title of this series is Highest Praise in Hardest Times. And none of us knew what would unfold, the events that even unfolded in our nation this week. We have hit hard times once again. We have experienced as a nation another week filled with heartbreaking tragedy. A world has now witnessed the horrific and senseless death of George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota. In, as that has developed and now there are many cities that are experiencing unrest, reached a feverish boiling point as protesters cry out for justice. And now violence has erupted in some places as local businesses that were able to survive through The social distancing and the coronavirus now are laying in ashes because of people crying out for justice, demanding that something be done, that the world pay attention to injustices that are done. Can anyone mend and heal the broken relationships around us and the brokenness that is inside of us? Are we waiting for change to come from Washington or the capital city of the state where we live or where you may live? That's not where lasting change will come from. The only source of hope, the only source of healing and lasting change, it must come from the God who made us, the God who loves us, the one who sent his one and only son to die in our place. My friend, he cares. He cares about all peoples, all races, not just the ones that look like us and talk like us and are from where we are from. He judges righteously, and he will make all things new. As the people of Grace Community Church, we are a people of grace So together we stand opposed to hatred, we stand opposed to racism, we stand opposed to injustice in in sinful ways. We stand united in love for all peoples, for the glory of God and for the good of all mankind, for the good of all humanity. For the brothers and sisters of all nationalities, we stand in grace And we will give our highest praise in hardest times. And these 15 psalms that would comprise the playlist of those pilgrims, of those Jewish travelers who have for all their duration understood what it was, what it is to be oppressed and to be looked down upon. And as they would travel to the city of Jerusalem, as we saw last week, they would make their way up to this city. This city that we're commanded, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. There is such a lack of peace in our world. And I'm here today to appeal to every listener that only peace is only found in Christ. And as they would make their way to this city and they would be gathering to worship the living God with the people of God in the place set apart and called by his name, these Psalms would be precious to them. They would have been filled with anticipation, with longing, with expectation to gather. When will the Lord look down and see what we're going through and see the distress that we're in? And when will he deliver? And they would say that, how long, O oh Lord? How long? And we, we understand that today. They would sing these songs as they headed to the city. They would sing these songs as they would leave the city and, and they encountered all types of dangers on the road. This is the songbook of degrees and this songbook is about 3,000 years old. It was assembled 1,000 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. 15 Psalms, some of them by David, one by Solomon and 10 others by unidentified psalmists. Solomon would build that glorious temple and they would gather to worship there and it would be destroyed. And I misspoke last week when I said Rehoboam was there at the building of the second temple. No, that was Zerubbabel. And they would gather and they would worship and they were waiting on Messiah and waiting for a deliverer. So out of the valleys and the lowest points of life, the psalmist offered their highest praise to Yahweh. When we truly worship the Lord, we are acknowledging this. We're saying, in unison with the saints of all times, He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our lives. And we are desperately, I am desperately needy. And we are not home yet. We are not home. Wherever we live, it's not our final home. Following your copy of the Word of God as I read Psalm 121, a psalm. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Last Sunday in Psalm 120, we saw the song of deliverance and we understood the Lord is my deliverer. For all who have trusted in Him, they can embrace the Lord is my deliverer. This morning in Psalm 21, this song of protection, and we can come to say with the psalmist, the Lord is my helper. So the psalmists are very concerned with a couple of questions. Why is God worthy of my trust and my worship? And secondly, have I rightly responded to this God who is worthy? Those are questions that I would encourage you to ask, why is God worthy of my life, my praise, my worship? Have I rightly responded to this God? For when we understand that the Lord is our helper, then we're going to see four areas that we will graciously, number one, encounter every trial. And we see this in the first verse. There's deep distress. But when we understand that the Lord, who is the Lord? The maker of heaven and earth. When we understand that the Lord is my helper, our helper, then I can graciously encounter with the psalmist every trial. Every trial. Worshippers of Yahweh were not exempt from trials and testing and suffering. So the psalmist cries out, I lift up my eyes to the hills. He's in a serious problem here. In Psalm 120, the psalmist was dealing with those who were lying, those who were slandering. They were out to get him. How do you escape people who lie about you? You don't. You can't on your own. Where do you turn when trials come? The psalmist says, I lift up my eyes and I see the hills. The hills that would have been between the worshiper and Jerusalem. These hills were dangerous. They had to be traveled over. They had to be traveled around and there were all types of places for thieves and bandits. I remember growing up in Montana, there was a place on a tour that we were in and the tour guide said, look over here in all these caves on the side of these trains. This is where bandits used to hide. This is where they waited. Growing up in Montana, this is where my dad was raised. And you could see the mountain peaks out in the distance. And we were there in 2016 and hiked. You could see the dangerous terrain. This is not an easy trip. And this is just a little ways up on a mountain. This isn't the mountain peaks that are covered with snow. In Glacier Park, we were there and just the beauty of these mountains. We're down here in the in the valley. We're down by the lake. This is not too bad. It's not too difficult here. But these mountains, these mountains are mighty. They're massive. They're majestic. They're even mysterious. If you've never been over that mountain range, you don't know what is on the other side of that mountain. You don't know what's between here and there. When we were up on a mountain path, there was a goat. I mean, these, these animals are designed. They're created. The designer made them. Their feet work on these difficult paths. They handle those paths, no problem. They can go on the sides of cliffs, not a problem for them, but it's definitely a problem for us. When I was with my dad, in Missoula, there's an M up on the side of the hill. And when you're down in the city, you look up. It's not that big. We looked at it. It's about halfway up that hill, and we made our trek up to that M, It's a huge M. It's massive. We were exhausted by the time we got to that M. We didn't make it up to a snow-capped mountain. When these travelers would make their journey, they would face all kinds of dangers. And they might be saying, well, why even go through that ordeal? What is the big deal? Why would we make it? We're going to face serious problems. Why? Because God is worthy, and they wanted to gather with his people in his presence and worship him. My friend, believers deal with problems. We experience sickness, slander, sin, personal sin, sin by others. We go through suffering. We experience temptation and struggles. And if Jesus does not return before our time comes to an end, then we will ultimately face our final enemy, which is death. A traveler going to Jerusalem had to go up to make their way into the city. This journey was difficult for them. Believers deal with problems. Unbelievers deal with problems. The high points of hills were often locations where shrines and altars and places of worship were set up by pagans to worship the sun, to worship the stars, to worship the moon, to worship various deities. That was their approach to dealing with this inside of us call to worship. Significant problems, but look at the superior perspective. The psalmist chose to look up. He he would lift his eyes to the hills. He could stay within looking at all the problems inside his own heart and soul. He could have chosen to keep looking at the people, his enemies around him with lies and slander, but instead he chose to look up. So what is the perspective that we have when we face trials? Can I encourage you this morning, look up. Because when we understand that the Lord is our helper, then yes, we can graciously encounter every trial. And secondly, we can embrace the tension. We don't have to run from the tension. We don't have to ignore the tension. We don't have to deny the tension. We can embrace the tension that is here that the psalmist identifies. He says, from where does my help come? My friend, we are not God. We are not sovereign We don't have, I don't have all the answers. Ultimately, God is the only one who is able to sufficiently help. So embrace the tension. Ask the questions, because questions lead to answers that actually can help. Ask the right questions. Go to God with your questions. These questions address the heart. They get below the surface. The psalmist admits, I need help. I lift up my eyes. Where does my help come from? And he admits his need. The psalmist longs for everyone to come to Yahweh because God is able to help. The hills are no help. The hills only represent more difficulty, more problems. They expose more of our weakness, Every year, skilled mountain climbers perish on Mount Everest. I looked it up last year, 2019, 11 people that they know of died climbing Mount Everest. Because even the best of men are men at best. The hills are no help. They can hurt you. They can kill you. But asking the right questions that's where help comes from. Where does my help come from? And, hin- and that conflict can lead to worship. To ask that question, where does my help come from? God is sovereign over all, and the preacher wants you to take inventory right here. Where does your help come from, and can your help create life? Can your help create the sun, the moon, and the stars, and all that we see? Can your help conquer death? Can your help cancel the penalty of sin that is heading your way? So then where does your help come from? Does it come from relationships? Does it come from a bank account? Does it come from your identity of who your parents are? Does it come from a bottle? Where does your help come from? Pleasure, entertainment, all of those things are insufficient to help deal with the significant and serious matters that we all deal with. Oh, my friend, when we understand that the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, is our helper, then we will graciously encounter every trial. We will embrace the tension. We will not run from it. We will embrace the tension because God can bring, and he does bring beauty from ashes. And thirdly, we can express then personal trust. There's no greater helper than the Lord. The psalmist makes this declaration. He offers his worship. He says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. This help is personal. He says, this is my help. He's claiming that he found help. The the Hebrew word here is "azer," And that word shows up in the creation account when the Lord declares that it wasn't good for man to be alone. That was the first thing that was not good. When we're alone, we get disconnected, and we're dealing with that right now. And God willing, we will gather in this place at 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock next Sunday, June 7th, and we will come in and we've got all types of precautions that we will gather safely and we will worship. But danger happens when we're disconnected. We get discouraged, we get depressed because we're meant for relationships. And God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And this word, "azer" it's found in Genesis 2 and verse 20, when the Lord stated, all animals, they had a counterpart, but Adam didn't. There was not found a, and here's this word, a helper sufficient or fit for him. The woman was made to be a helper to the man. And this is not a degrading or derogatory term because as we see in Psalm 121, the Lord is perfectly okay to be called our helper, that our help comes from the Lord. To need a helper is honestly stating that men are not able to exist apart from women. We have to have the woman. And if that help had not come, then the human race would cease to exist with adam he couldn't do it on his own he couldn't procreate he couldn't live he couldn't be in human relationships on his own and so god took from his rib and made a helper that completed him that complemented him that picked up where he is lacking and the two, man and woman, these distinct genders created by God, expresses God's grand design that there's beauty between the genders. We need one another. We depend on one another because we're designed by God to be dependent, not independent. This helps us understand in the year that we live Why there is such a battle and there is such forces going against marriage and sexual purity and the right to life and the family and even gender identity. But listen, my friend, God is not ashamed to be called our help, our helper. The psalmist says, this is personal. He's my help. The Lord is my help. My help comes from the Lord. His name is Yahweh, the God who was, the God who is, and the God who is to come. The creator has disclosed, he's revealed himself to us, or else we would be without God, without hope, without help in the world. We'd be left on our own. And that's no satisfying, good place to live. That's hopeless and helpless. But the psalmist says, I'm not without hope because my help comes from the Lord. The Lord is the one who made heaven and earth. This means that he sovereignly reigns over all things because he created all things. There is nothing over our God. He is good and no one can thwart his good and sovereign plan. As Paul would pick up this theme in Romans 8 and verse 31, he would say, if God is for us, then who can be against us? And the people of God have dealt with many things against us throughout all of history. I think about Daniel in Daniel chapter six and how he was helped by God when he stood for what is right and he prayed those three times a day and his enemies were out to get him and they slandered him and he was thrown by King Darius into into the lion's den and the, the next morning he's delivered and Darius finds out that Daniel's God delivers and in Daniel chapter six, he wrote to all people's nations and languages on earth and he said, peace be multiplied for you and listen to what he says in his decree Daniel 6 and verse 26 I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel why why king Darius for he this is Yahweh is the living God enduring forever his kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end he Delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. That God rescues. He helps. Daniel needed help. Without the help of God, he would have been dinner for the lions but God helped him and delivered him and praise went out from, the, from a pagan king recognizing there's a difference between your God, Daniel, and the gods that I have served. My friend, when we understand that the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth is our helper, then we will graciously encounter every trial, embrace the tension, express personal faith and trust, and lastly, experience ultimate triumph not always immediate triumph, but ultimate triumph. We see this in verses three through eight. This is where this psalm builds in degrees. It raises up in, in melody and in anthem. The psalmist exalts the faithfulness and the power of the Lord who is our helper. And he, and he declares this in verses three and four. Each of these verses are now in two-verse uh, packages. They, they go uh, in a section And they all deal with the traveler on foot over rugged terrain. Verses 3 and 4, we see the Lord reigns over all nations. He's over all nations. Verse 3, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. This God who reigns over all the nation, the psalmist is saying he guards your steps. The psalmist knew that he could pronounce a blessing over God's people because they had been chosen and they were guarded by God. The journey, dangerous, yes. One slip could lead to injury or eternity. And God is a father. He's holding on tightly and he will never let go. Nothing can separate us, Romans 8 says. He guards you, the psalmist says, while you're sleeping. This God who reigns over the nations... He understood. This psalmist understands human fatigue. We need to have rest each day. Like John Piper says, we're like a sack of potatoes recharging every night. We need hours of rest. We have no idea what is going on. I have no idea when I'm snoring unless my wife wakes me up. I don't have one control over the family or over the economy or anything. I'm sleeping. I don't know what's going on. We were designed to recharge, to regain our strength. Every every single day when we pillow our heads, we're saying, I'm exhausted. I'm done. I need help. I need rest. But that's not the Lord. He doesn't need rest. Jesus in his humanity needed rest. But as God, Yahweh, he needs no rest. He's the one who keeps Israel. He's sovereign over all the nations. He's sovereign over choosing Israel. And he's sovereign, the psalmist saying, over you personally. Jesus is our helper, John 15, 16. He says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And he's the keeper of Israel, chosen and guarded, like a palace guard protects a king or their queen. He guards without needing slumber or sleep, like some watchman who falls asleep on the night watch and the enemy approaches the city, idols, they have an appearance of slumbering. Like, are you in there? Anything in there? It's a stone creation. It's a creation of wood. There's nothing there. You wave your hand in front of its eyes and they don't blink. They don't move. That's not our God. The Lord reigns over all nations. And so you can trust him. And you can worship. The Lord reigns over all creation, we see in verses 5 and 6. And the psalmist is saying he is your keeper. He is your helper. The Lord is your keeper, verse 5. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. He's saying the Lord is your keeper. He's your shade. Jesus is our keeper. John 17, he says this in verse 6. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. And Jesus says in verse 12 of this high priestly prayer of John 17, while I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have, here's this word, guarded them. And not one of them has been lost. And then Jesus references Judas, the son of destruction that the scripture might be fulfilled. The Lord is our keeper. He's our shade. He's shelter from the intense heat, but he's also closer to us than our shadow at our right hand. So whenever you see your shadow, if you have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, remember the Lord is my shade. He's closer to me than my shadow. Why would I ever be afraid? Maybe. I know some of you are scared. you're scared of uh, spiders, you're scared of snakes, you're scared of bees, you're scared of birds, uh, all different types of things. They scare you. Some of you are scared of your own shadow. And the Lord is saying and Psalmist is saying here that the Lord is closer to us than our shadow. Why would we ever be afraid? Just as God protected his people through their wilderness travels, he was a, a fire by night over them to warm them. He was a cloud over them by day to protect them from the sun. Creation, every aspect of it, of it, is under his sovereign command. And that leads us to verses 7 and 8 where we see the Lord reigns over all time and over all eternity. This is very similar to the priestly blessing of Numbers 6 pronounced over the people of God, that there's no expiration on your life if you belong to Christ ever. Verse seven, the Lord. The Lord will keep you from all evil. Who? The Lord. He will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. He'll do what? He'll keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. When? When? The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in. So, if you're going out today, the Lord's keeping you. If you're coming in, the Lord is keeping you. He's keeping you at all times. How long will He do this? From this time forth and forevermore, for all eternity, without end. So, my friend, evil will never be victorious over the people of God. Oh, this is so good. There's so much encouragement here. Death, whether it be death by violence or death by cancer or death by old age or death by tragedy, death for the child of God will never have the final word. Why? Why not? Because the Lord is our keeper. Whenever we go out and whenever we come in, we can praise the Lord, we can sing the song and embrace this. Though you slay me, still I will trust you. You're good and all that you do is good because the Lord is our keeper from this time right now and forevermore. This is a mighty good promise. It infuses the child of God with hope, with confidence. It fills us and it brings about a call to respond in worship because when we understand that the Lord who made heaven and earth, he is our helper. He is my helper so that I can graciously, graciously encounter every trial, embrace the tension, express personal trust, and experience ultimate triumph because God is good and he is not only my deliverer, but he is my helper, just as it says in Psalm 46, present, right here, right now, and he's available to you After I pray, these questions are gonna come up on the screen and I want you to take some time and reflect and prayerfully think about and talk about these questions. First of all, why? Why is the creator worthy of all my trust? Don't run from that question, my friend. Why is the Lord worthy of all my trust? The second question is this, where does my help come from? The psalmist said, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I can say that today. Can you say that? Where does your help come from? And thirdly, when I encounter trials, where do I tend to go first? Where do I look? Where do my eyes go? If you are in Christ, fourthly, then the maker of heaven and earth is for you. He is for you. How should this reality transform your thinking and behavior? You might look up the song called The Blessing and let that song lead you to worship even this afternoon. If you answered the question, where does my help come from? And you say, I don't know. Can I encourage you today, hear the psalmist, hear the calling of the Spirit of God through my lips, my voice to you to turn from your sin and trust in the Lord Jesus today. Trust in him He will receive you. He will adopt you. He will make you his very own. And then you will be able to say with the psalmist, the Lord is my helper. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for the help that is offered to us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, through the gospel, we have hope. And this hope is not a wish. It's not wishful thinking. It is a hope that will survive every trial. And even the the grave, Lord, cannot conquer this hope. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. You are loved. God bless you.